So we are going through the um, whole Bible, and uh, Genesis, and what's the second book? Oh, there you go. Good job. And Exodus means what? Exit. Goodbye. Exit. See you later. So Exodus provides a glimpse into the very nature of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, we all want to start where? Passover. Okay, the blood on the doorframe, that Jesus' blood covers us, and that um, he is, that was a type of uh, looking towards a type of Jesus. So there are some things in Exodus that are a type or a, it almost uh, resounds in the idea that Jesus was there. And also, a lot of the Jewish holidays and actually Christian holidays come from the book of Exodus. Um, and so we want to look at those things, but we want to go a little bit deeper. And so in, in uh, Genesis, Jesus was there at the burning bush. He said that he was the great I am. And where else did he say that? In the New Testament. And he's the promise keeper. But these are only images that we discover in ancient pages of the second book of the Bible. We also see Jesus in Exodus of the Israelites leaving Egypt. And that they, when they are out in the wilderness, they ate manna. And so we see that as a type of Christ also. And we'll get to that. In Exodus 14, 5 through 31, we see God fighting for Israel against Pharaoh. Um, he uh, put a wall up against um, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and they couldn't get them. And then uh, they walked into the water, and the water split, and they went on dry land. And Pharaoh said, well, if they could do it, I could do it too. And they followed in after the pillar of fire came away, and they were drowned in. Uh, while, when the Israelites were on the other side, the waters came in. And so uh, God was fighting for Israel, and he fights for us today also. So Exodus, the whole book of Exodus, is kind of a type or a typology of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that Exodus is Jesus. It just points to Jesus. Exodus of the Israelites from Egypt is a true miracle. Um, they saw um, how many, how many uh, plagues? Anybody know? Ten. Ten plagues. What was the last one? The firstborn son. Okay, unless you have the blood over the door. And so, um, as they were going through this, this actually points to a lot of what Jesus has done for us today. And we are supposed to exit out of what? Sin. And so sin is like our Egypt. Sin is like our Babylon. And we're supposed to be different from that. We're supposed to be exited through Jesus and through the water. And so God rescued his chosen people out of slavery. And what puts us into slavery today? Sin. It's not physical slavery anymore, but sin so easily entangles us and brings us down. But God said, I'm going to rescue you through Jesus Christ. So here are some things that tie the book of Exodus to Jesus. First of all, rescued. Um, we are rescued from the yoke of slavery to sin. When sin is our master, we are unable to resist it. When we have the Holy Spirit, guess what we can do? Yeah, we can say no to sin, right? We can, we can be rescued and have the power. I mean, if Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit and he had the power over death, right, and over sin, then guess what we have when we have the Holy Spirit? We can say no to sin. 
Now, I'm not saying that we'll ever sin again, but we should be sinning less and less. We should be maturing in Christ, not going backwards. Now, the great thing about Jesus is that he rescues you there, but he rescues you almost every day because of his grace and his mercy and his love. And so in John 8:34, it says, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a what? Slave to sin. Hmm. Because of what Jesus did, sin is no longer our master. The Holy Spirit empowers us to resist sin and to resist temptation. Is it hard? Yes. Will it, will it get you angry and upset and, and, and hurt things around you? Yes. Is it worth it? Most definitely. If we say no to sin, sometimes the world is not going to like that. Sometimes family's not going to like that. Sometimes friends aren't going to like that. And they might walk away. But Jesus always stays. Look at Galatians 5.1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Not to be a slave again, not to go back to the sin, not to go back to the filth. But he has set us free, so we're free from that, those things. Do I do that? Yes. Do I do it less than I was 10 years ago? Yes. And it wasn't by my power or by my righteousness. It is by God, and he rescued me. And so I encourage you to get deeper and more mature in your Christian walk. Second thing that Exodus sees is that not only did he rescue them, but he what? Saved them. We are saved from the penalty of sin, which is death. Look at Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. So the payment for your body when you sin is supposed to be death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we are saved out of death. Now, this is not physical death. Everybody in here is going to die. I'm sorry to say. But it is the death, the second death, the spiritual death that we don't want. This spiritual death, this second death, is hell, and that is separation from God totally. That means there is no blessing. There is no sun. There is no light. There is no, there is no love. There is, it's always pain. And yet people are like, well, just because I'm rescued, I can just deal with sin a little bit, right? No, he saved you from that. He saved you. He rescued him from the pits of hell. He redeemed us. He bought us back. The price was blood. And who bought us back? Jesus. And so Galatians 3.13 fits really well here. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. The first time you broke the law, you should be dead. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So if Jesus hung on a tree and he took the curse away, then where's the curse? It's only all those people who do not follow Jesus. And so Exodus points to this idea that we are rescued, we are saved, and we're brought out to a better land. Now what was, what was the um, Israelites looking for? The promised land, right? Flowing with milk and honey, a wonderful place that they would have to still work for it, but it was, it was going to be this wonderful, miraculous place. Well, they didn't listen very well. 
Hmm, I wonder who does that. Not me. No, I listen all the time. They didn't listen very well, and so they were punished, and they had to roam around the desert for how many years? Forty years. Even though it took three months to get where they were going, they just wondered. But then they started complaining. Wow, God, you took us out of Egypt, and we were getting food back then, and we were doing this, and we were doing that. Why did you bring us out here in the wilderness? God's like, oh, come on. (laughs) You're complaining? Really? I rescued you, I saved you, I brought you out, and you're still complaining. The promised land was a future place for them to be. But guess what? We don't have to wait and wonder in the wilderness anymore. Our future home starts when? When we become a Christian. We're literally with Jesus now. We don't have to wait till heaven. We are walking with Jesus. And so your promise lane starts now when you accept Jesus Christ. Back then, they had to wonder. A whole generation had to die. Then they got in the promised land. They had to fight their way through to get in there. And then when they got in there, guess what they didn't do? They didn't listen again. <laughs> Gee, I wonder how the pattern is here. Let's see. Uh, Garden of Eden didn't listen. Promised land didn't listen. Uh, you know, it just keeps going on and on. Because we couldn't save ourselves. And so Jesus saved us by his blood. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are a, what? Temple of God. Now listen to that. You are the church building. You are the church spiritually. You are the one walking around representing Jesus and this church. You are the one with your actions and your words and what you drink and what you eat. You are the example. Whatever you would do outside of this building, you should be doing here. If you don't do it here, you don't do it outside the building. Because you're the church. So listen to this. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. How many people have seen that? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We could be drunk in the Holy Spirit. We can have this wonderful... Wonderful feeling. I can't even explain it. It's, it's just this, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. You know what I'm saying, right? You're drunk in the Spirit. You're overjoyed, even in the desperate times, because we know that God has hope. And see, the Israelites in Exodus were hoping for 400 years that somebody would come rescue them. And you know how they got there, right? So Joseph... Uh, help them get there because uh, there was a famine in the land and they were selling their crops. They were selling their sheep uh, to Egypt and then they had nothing else left to sell. And what did they sell? They sold after that. They sold themselves. And then Joseph died and the Pharaoh didn't recognize Joseph and and their God. And guess what they did? They put him in slavery. So they really did it to themselves. And so 400 years, they were asking... Can we be brought out of here? Can we be rescued? Can we be saved? Look at John 14, 2 through 3. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Guess what our promised land is? It's with Jesus. 
And if Jesus is everywhere, then we are with him now. But we're waiting on something even better. Not just heaven, but a new heaven and a new earth. Look at Revelation 21.3. Oh, this is good here. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying what? Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Exodus is a picture of Jesus rescuing us. And then they ate something weird. Okay? And what was that called? Manna. That's a weird name, right? So, you know what manna means? What is it? What is that thing? They didn't know what it was. We don't know what it was. Some people guessed it was like, uh, you know, crackers with honey. Some people said it was quail. Some people said it was uh, this bread that just... uh, grew and and was tasteful. We don't know what it was. They didn't know what it was. And so look at Exodus 16, 15. It says this. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Now, let's take the New Testament. What does this represent? The body and blood of Jesus, right? And so this is a picture. This is a type. The manna is a type of Jesus, that we will only eat him. Now, not cannibalism, okay? People are like, ugh, ugh. No. Spiritually, we eat from the word of God. And who helped to write the word of God? Jesus, through people. And so, this is a time, this is the, he is a manna to us. He, he helps us to live spiritually, to change our minds daily. Look at John 6.33. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven. Isn't that interesting? Manna came down where? From heaven. Also, the interesting thing about manna is that God said, only take enough what you can eat. You think the Israelites listened to that? Nope. <laughs> Here we go again. Israelites, why are you not listening? Some of them took, the, took a, a load of, of those things, put them in their tent, and in the morning, what happened? It was rotten. It was nasty. It was smelling. And they're like, well, God, why did you do that? Because I told you, only take what you can, what you want, what you need. Sometimes we gorge on Jesus and never let anybody else know. We want the blessings. Oh, yeah, we want the blessings. We're, we're blessed. We'll, we'll do everything that you say, Lord, but we'll never tell anybody. We'll never share it to anybody. The manna was for everybody. Jesus is for everybody. Look at John 6.35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Spiritually. Both man and Jesus came down from heaven and were both supernatural gifts from God. But belief and faith are required. Jesus didn't just come to be a good prophet or a good man. He died. He resurrected the third day for us to have faith in him, to bring us to God, to be the intercessory and the sacrifice. If we don't have Jesus, we don't have God. If we don't have Jesus, we're not getting to heaven. He is the manna. He is what we need to feast on each and every day. Manna gave life to the Israelites, but Jesus gave us the life in the word. Manna nourished the Israelites, but they still what? 
They still died. But whoever is sustained by Jesus lives forever. Manna saved the Israelites from hunger, but Jesus saves us from our sin. The Israelites were perishing because of lack of food. They complained, and God supplied the manna. Our souls were crying out for salvation, and Jesus was provided as the manna. The world was dying of lack of spiritual nourishment, and it grumbled and complained, and God provided his son. Like the Israelites, we are wandering through the wilderness. This is not my home. My home is not over there. My home is not this world. My home is not my riches or my clothes. My home is in heaven with Jesus. But I'm just passing through. And when I'm passing through, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. Because he's more important in my life. And so I don't want to gorge on Jesus all the time and not share it. Because if I gorge, it's going to rot. If I just keep it to myself, just like the talents, when somebody kept it to themselves, that I know you were a, 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 a shrewd manager of things. And they kept it to themselves, and God said, see it. But those who had the talents, those who had the blessing, shared it with others. And he said, come into my dwelling. And so when we are feeding on Jesus each and every day in the Bible and in our life and in prayer, we need to share that with others. Exodus is a great book. I encourage you to read it, um, and it's just it's amazing. It has the, the Exodus from Egypt, and then it has uh, all the laws that God gave them. And a lot of those laws not only were spiritual, but they were physical. Like, you know, don't eat a goat in its own milk or blood. Why? Because there was a disease in there. Okay? Even though Jesus, God said not to do it, it was still because of disease. And so there's a whole bunch of information. And we read that, and we need to have a spiritual mindset because it wasn't just physical, but it was pointing to Jesus. And so every book of the Bible has a Jesus story in it. Let me conclude with this. Jesus, the bread of life, rescued and saved us from the wilderness and brought us to the promised land where he offers himself as a spiritual nourishment that if we partake of him, we will never grow hungry again. I encourage you, put faith in Jesus. He is the only one and the right way for you to get to the promise. Let's pray.